There's a, a charge to keep in helping keep the prayer life of a community continuing. Once upon a time, it was Zechariah's charge. And today, I serve. Each day, we take these prayers that our church community pray, um, prays, and we, we pray them together. We take them home. We get our email that has, our, that has the prayers in it. And it becomes normal. You know, you say your prayers each day. And they kind of run together over the years. And then there are those days that stick out. Now, this was a long time back. And I had, been, I had been asked to say prayers for a woman who had been hospitalized, and then she had been sent into rehab. Totally, totally normal prayer. How often have we prayed for that? But here was the thing. It was the word rehab. The woman in question associated that word only with substance abuse treatment. And she was horribly horribly upset that because of that prayer, people were talking about her being in rehab. And she was really, really angry with me for saying that she was in rehab. She chewed me out left, right, and center as I was visiting her standing right beside the bloody sign that said rehab on it. <laughs> I, I hadn't done anything wrong. I knew that. And her feelings were her feelings. And she was terrified about what people might be saying about her. And that's what it was about. Fear. Fear about what people might do if they thought that she was being treated for alcoholism or drug use. Fear about what people were thinking about her. About friends who would no longer want to be associated with her. My heart, it just hurt for her. What kind of hell is it to live with that? This is the evil, evil power of shame. It's that feeling inside you that somehow you're not good enough. You're not smart enough or not wealthy enough, not good looking enough, just not enough. And everywhere you look, when, you, when you're in the grips of shame, it's like everywhere you look, you see some message, implicit or explicit, that reinforces that sense of shame. And, and pretty much everyone, everyone has their thing. That the thing that if people knew about you, you fear that they, people would turn their backs on you. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it's something awful that you did years ago. I remember talking to a 95-year-old guy, and he was terrified that somebody would reveal what he did when he was 15 years old. Shame has hooks. 
Maybe it's a lie that you've been telling for years. And if people actually knew it, you're afraid you might lose your job. Your spouse would leave. Your, your kids wouldn't look at you the same way again. That you'd be rejected. And so what do you do with your shame? You hide it. You closet it. You pretend. And you pray. You pray that no one sees, sees the shame. And God? Yet God knows. But you're counting that God has bigger fish to fry. Or who, who knows? Maybe God has given up. God doesn't even care. But God cares, just not the way you may think. There is this ancient stigma. It's a cultural badge of shame for people who don't have kids. You, you just heard it. Meredith just told you what happened to her this week. People who suffer from infertility feel less than, like that there's something wrong with them. And then when somebody comes up to them, and, and we do this, people will ask, are you thinking about having kids? And it triggers a flight or fight response. This was Zechariah and Elizabeth, particularly probably Elizabeth. In her time, women had kind of one main job, produce progeny. If a woman couldn't do that, it was a badge of shame. People felt sorry for you. You were likely going to be replaced by another woman. And it didn't matter how much you prayed. It didn't matter how good a person you were. You bore the badge of shame. And we don't know much about Zacharias and Elizabeth, really. We only have a, a few records of, the, of days of their entire life. What we do know, though, is they didn't have children. Even though they were servants of God, they prayed constantly. If there is one thing, one thing that I have come to believe about Jesus is that his primary mission is to fight the evil power of shame. To break the bonds of fear and anger that it creates. The hurt that it creates. Because people knew this. People in Jesus' time knew this, and I think maybe it's inside of us a little bit today too. Because we have this idea in our heads that sick people are infected by demons, by germs, by physical conditions, whatever it is. Sick people are infected. So what do we do? We, we ostracize. We keep sick people at a distance. You avoid them because you don't want what they have. So it became like Jesus' first stop whenever he would go to a new town. He'd go and he'd visit the sick. And women. In Jesus' day, women, fertile or not, were just 
They were just not considered enough. They weren't men. And Jesus didn't care. He valued women as much as men. Even though, let's be honest, his church kind of forgot that along the way. His Holy Spirit is reminding us of that today. Slaves, poor people, rich people, enemy soldiers. Jesus didn't care what badge or what uniform you wore. When you come to think about it, really the only thing that would get under Jesus' skin was hypocrisy. Those who think or pretend to think that they're actually better than others. Jesus didn't have a lot of time for that. Jesus valued all people. All of them. So it's not surprising that for the parents of Jesus' cousin, who was to go on to be his baptizer, Jesus sends an angel to address their shame. To me, this is a message heralding that God is rejecting shame. The miraculous birth of John wasn't just a, a divine favor to a, a nice, good couple. I mean, that's, that's nice and all. But the message that God was saying, the bigger message is that God is about up to here with shame in our world. God sees the shame that people with the sickness of alcoholism and the drug use, he sees the shame and feels what they feel. God sees the shame that people living with autism or pornography addiction or mental illness have heaped on them, the shame that this culture wants them to feel. God sees it when people, even well-intentioned people, try to help another person by not mentioning their badge of shame, pretending it doesn't exist. It's like if we don't talk about it, then it's not real. And I'm going to tell you something. Anybody, anybody who has ever experienced shame knows. And your help not mentioning their sense of shame just makes it feel unspeakable. I hate that. What God knows and what Jesus taught is that every person is worthy of love and acceptance. That we are created unique, each with our, our own challenges and our own gifts. And every single person is absolutely worthy. And I know that religion, that Christianity, got lost. That the church adopted shame as a method of power. I know that. It's power to keep people in line. But it doesn't have to be that way. I'm looking at a world in which people are numbing themselves to try not to feel shame or to deny. People will even deny that they're even capable of feeling shame. And so what we do instead is we try to numb it. 
We eat our feelings. We numb our hurts with substances. We pull away from anything or anyone that we're afraid might hurt us. When all of us, what we truly deeply want is connection. Of being loved for who we are. All of it. When we closet ourselves, a part of us feels like it's dying. Hope. That's what I want for you this Christmas. Resurrection hope. I want you to know that kind of love. I want you to have people in your life who love you, who see you for who you truly are. And they love you. I want you to be part of a church community that does the work of calling, uh, the, uh, calling shame out of the darkness and proclaiming the good news that everyone is valued. And I want you to know that you are enough and that you are worthy of love, that you're worthy of affection. And I want this church community, I want us to be that. I want us to proclaim resurrection hope. I can't fix Christianity as a religion. But what I can do and what you can do is make your and my path in Jesus' inclusive, just, merciful, nonviolent and compassionate way, our way of living. Will you join me on that? Will you be part of that kind of movement in the world? Because we need it. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you know the power of shame that lives in us. Cast it out. Share your way of upholding the dignity of every person. If there is one person, one who hears this message today and has an ounce of shame. Let that one know that they are in the right place. They are listening to the, the right thing online. Let them know that you are with them no matter what. And increase in each one of us our confidence and our compassion to be your church in the world today. Amen.